Uh, I don't know, Jefferson. I think he left out to sea. <laughs> what are you talking about? I hate to tell you this, buddy, but uh, you might be married to Marcy, but uh, your ass says, I love Mary. <laughs> Let's rock. I get a woman. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast in a very, very sunburnt Australia where we are reviewing um, Season 10, Episode 17 of Married with Children entitled The Agony and the Extra Sea. My name is Matt and I'm hiding from codename KFC. And I'm Stephen. Annabelle, why can't I play with Tyler? It's my anniversary too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, Stephen, because, as you know, my name is Annabelle, and I need a Q-tip and a hammer. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I want to know why, Annabelle. <laughs> and I don't know if you can reach across the around the world and hit me in the head with it. At least I'm <laughs> feel safe. <laughs> yeah, maybe by the time this airs, the borders will be open, and you have to be worried. <laughs> One day. And it's it's freezing cold in the northern hemisphere right now. You're gonna saw my sunburn. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, today we're reviewing the agony and the extra sea, written by Jimmy Alak and Jim Kelly, directed by Sam W. Orenda, and aired originally on the 11th of February 1996. So almost Valentine's Day. And uh, a, a recurring and guest cast today include Harold Sylvester as Griff, E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, Tom McCullister as Ike, Dan Tullis Jr. as Officer Dan, Iqbal Theba as Iqbal, Lucky the Dog as Lucky Bundy, and guest starring David Pyers as Doctor Number One, Robert E. Almodovar as Doctor Number Two, Cindyana Santagolo, Santagolo as Sierra Madre, Tracy Bingham as lap dancer, Nick Denger as Harris, the tattoo artist, and Monty Ash as O'Malley. Synopsis. Bud and Kelly visit Jefferson in the hospital, who tells him a story as to how he got in there. For his anniversary, Marcy wants him to be away from Al and no ma'am, but he goes to the jiggly room with them to see the Mexican birds. He gets delayed there, and based on a stripper's suggestion, he decides to get a tattoo from a drunk guy at the nudie bar, but it ends up horribly misspelled as I Love Mary. The best place to spend your anniversary is the nudie bar. What do you get paid for your anniversary? First year's pay first, so I put a big bag over it. A brand new Married with Children Sunday. <laughs> I know I always take advice from strippers in, in jiggly rooms, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially the drunken ones. Yeah, that was what I was going to get to. <laughs> 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 I 
Yes, I'm sure we'll come across that bit of the episode when we get there, but uh, a bit about the title of this episode. So, The Agony and the Extra Sea is a play on the 1965 American film The Agony and the Ecstasy, directed by Carol Reed and starring Charlton Heston as Michelangelo and Rex Harrison as Pope Julius II, who reigned between 1503 and 1513. The film was partly based on Irving Stone's 1961 biographical novel, The Agony and the Ecstasy. This film deals with the conflicts of Michelangelo and Pope Julius II during the painting of the Sistine Chapel ceiling. It also features a soundtrack co-written by prolific composers Alex North and Jerry Goldsmith. Who is sorely missed, Jerry Goldsmith. I mean, John Williams is the king. He would be the, you know, right just below John Williams. What, oh, I don't know. Now you got me started. What, where does John Barry rank in your rankings, uh, Stephen? I'm not too familiar with John Barry. I'm very familiar with uh, John Williams, Jerry Goldsmith, um, Hans Zimmer. Those are probably my three favorites right there. Because with film composers, John John Barry did the uh, Bond films in the earlier years of the Bond films and a few others like, say, uh, The Italian Job and Out of Africa and Born Free, to name a three other non-Bond films. Okay, yeah. Well, I would say he's pretty good. I just, uh, I've always been more familiar with Goldsmith and Williams and Zimmerman. Fair enough. Uh, I quite like John Barry. Sometimes I'll, uh, you know, have a, run, run myself a bath with some salts, put a bit of John Barry on. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That type of music is relaxing. It is, it is. I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on the best film composer. So, people on Facebook, leave your comments below who your favourite film composer is. Uh, We'd be interested to hear, Penny, for your thoughts. Speaking of titles... Yes? uh, Stephen will be familiar with this, of course, but you know how Tyler has sometimes commented on an episode title existing first and then the story? Like, they'll build a story or a plot or an episode around a title? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering if you get the feeling they did this with this episode because The Agony and the Extra Sea sounds like a great title. Yep. And it doesn't sound like an afterthought to me. It sounds like someone went, oh, what can we do with that kind of thing? Yes. I would agree. I, I think that's fair to say and what happened here. Yeah, I, you could argue either way, but I just that's the way it, it stuck out to me. It could, it could, but it could be never the case, especially with... um. Well, I don't. Have these writers done any previous episodes? They don't seem familiar to me. There could be one of those one-off writers, as they often had in the later years of the show, especially the last couple of seasons. No, I did look them up. They didn't do any other Marital Children episodes, but they are very much a writing partnership. They did write uh, a a series that didn't last very long, a sitcom called Normal Ohio, and I only know that because it had John Goodman in it. And that was about two thousand. It only lasted about you know the standard 13 episodes or whatever it was, but they've written other episodes of sitcoms as well. Okay, because I knew it had to be after Roseanne ended, so standard one American half season, yeah. Yeah, I think John Goodman was a bit lost after Roseanne ended. He was a little bit, but then he went back to his film career sort of a bit more. Yeah. And now he's married to Peg Bundy. No, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so our episode begins with Jefferson butt-facing up in hospital, and fortunately he has insurance, so that means he can get anesthetic. Bad news, Mr. Darcy. I'm afraid we're going to have to operate. You do have insurance, don't you? Yes. Well, then we will be using anesthesia. 
are we today, Mr. O'Malley? My heart hurts. Good, good. I didn't care for those medical jokes at all. It's a bit cheap. I was going to say, uh, they only kind of really work in the U.S. because you can get anyone in Australia if you can get anesthetic. Yeah, well, everyone can get anesthetic here in the United States. It's just that I thought the j medical jokes were pretty lame. I mean, it's kind of like they're going to tropes, you know, about insurance and uh, the doctor charging $1,000 for a consult for one minute with that person. That stuff isn't even set by the medical profession. It's set more by administrators, hospital administrators. So I just, and I thought they were lazy too. I like it when, uh, I, especially when you get someone from a medical background like me, my dad was a doctor, my mom's a nurse, my stepmom was a nurse, I have a cousin who's a doctor, and I myself was a paramedic for a while, uh, about 10 years. And so it's like, you, know, you could come up with better jokes than that. Yeah, not the best opening to the episode. Sorry, Anna? I was going to ask Stephen if he found it insulting as a medical person. It, actually, a little bit, yes, because when, when you're rushed into the hospital, ER, and all that stuff, the first bit is... You're supposed to help the patient. You're not supposed, to, you don't worry about whether or not they can pay. You know, in EMS, you know, our, our ambulance services here, we rush out there, we're going to help them. We don't ask them, hey, do you have insurance? No, we don't do that. Yeah, I, I was just curious because I, I don't come from a medical background, but I very nearly went into nursing. And I do work in the healthcare system. Uh, somewhere way down the scale but um yeah i always find it insulting when you know doctors or nurses are uh portrayed as you know money hungry people who don't really care and just out to get money where you know it's not it's not really true i know it's a joke but it's you know it's it's a trope as you say and it's just lazy writing it's just an easy gag yeah and especially in the last couple of years the, the respect for nurses and doctors have just has just gone up even further so it's yeah it's anyway so that's just one of my big gripes on this one. But uh, we'll get to some positive things that I liked about it too. But Yes, we will. Yes, we will. But yeah, I definitely think it was a pretty weak opening, especially with the uh, like med medical jokes and uh, uh, even just, uh, you know, Kelly thinking that doctors' first names are actually doctor when they become doctors. God, they think they can get away with anything just because they changed their first name to doctor. <laughs> Man, when you lose your looks... Yeah. Well, I will say one thing. They kind of got that part right. A lot of doctors are perverts. <laughs> <laughs> and some are incompetent. I'll never forget. I always remember the day I was in the emergency room and, uh, and this woman brought her five-year-old son in for a cold when I was bleeding out of my mouth. Mm. I would have said something if I could actually speak properly. Trust me. Yeah, there are some... Uh, lousy doctors uh, it's amazing like i said my father was a doctor and he helped my uncle who went to dental school and there's this idea that hey i want to be top of my class well you may be top in your class but you still could be a total ass exactly and if you could be at the bottom of your class and have great be a great doctor and have good bedside manner there's a big broad spectrum on doctors and Doctors are like any other profession. There are some that are really, really good. Some are competent and some are incompetent and idiots. It's amazing how, you know, people can go in the medical field and still deal with that. You know, I knew paramedics that were smart. I knew, but we had one who tried to um, 
get a patient to drink out of an IV bag instead of doing it intravenously. She was fired quickly. Oh, I can imagine, yeah, so she should have been fired. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. But uh, anyway, let's move on on this one. <laughs> yeah, so after Kelly admitted she ate the chocolates her and Bud got her, and uh, apparently an emergency game, which is why the rest of the guys couldn't come, Jefferson starts to tell the story as to why he's in the hospital. Oh, <laughs> hey, Mr. Darcy. He looked great. Well, compared to that guy. <laughs> hey, you guys. Thanks for coming by. Where's, uh, where's your dad and the rest of my buddies? Oh, uh, they wanted to come, but there was an emergency. I thought they said there was a game on. <laughs> there was an emergency game. It just broke out. But they, uh, they did send some candy. Hmm? Oh, where is it? It, it melted on the way over here. Yeah, in our stomachs. Wait a minute. See ya. Hey! Don't you guys want to know how I got here? You promised we wouldn't have to talk to him. It all started on the day of my anniversary. So this episode basically takes place in the form of a flashback. A Wayne's World style flashback? <laughs> I kind of, and actually, that was one thing I kind of liked about this when they took a, a, a gamble on doing something a little bit different story wise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I kind of like it for that and a couple of other things. But, uh, you know, it's usually you start out with Al complaining about the shoe store or something or going with no man. I did have a question, Annabelle. I thought you might know that um, was a, uh, Katie Seagal on leave to have her baby or something? She was, yes. Yeah, she had already gone on maternity leave by this point and she had pre-recorded a few scenes, one of which you see in this episode. Okay. And if you go to buy production order, this is the last time she appears, but um, after the spring break episode and this episode, she's away completely until the finale of the season. Okay. I thought, I thought that might be the case, but... Uh... We'll get back, back to Peggy when she comes in, and I actually kind of like that part a little bit. Yes, I'm looking a bit later in the episode. Uh, so, our flashback begins, it's the Bundy house, and hang on, wait, they're actually sitting down at the dining table with food? Uh, Fruit Loops and beer? Yuck, um, that's a waste of good beer, and frankly, if you ask me, even when I was a boy, I thought Fruit Loops were just glorified sugar. Al and the guys were having a special no-man breakfast meeting. Ah, oh, Fruit Loops and beer, the breakfast of champions. <laughs> Don't you know that breakfast is the most important meal of the day? So just Fruit Loops for you? <laughs> no. Just beer. Yeah, that's what it is. I was yeah. going to say, you mean they're not? <laughs> oh, sorry, Annabelle, but, uh... <laughs> I haven't had them since I was a kid. They haven't changed. Honestly, uh, I thought it was a rip-off, even when I was a boy, that they all tasted the same. Like, I think they're different colours. They should have different flavours. Uh, but yeah, they've been around since 1963. Uh, originally only red, orange, and yellow. They added green, blue, and purple in the 90s. Uh, but yes, they're all the same flavour. No actual fruit in them. Shock horror. And uh, there you go. Uh, and for another show, uh, they were also Archie Bunker's favourite cereal and all in the family. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, while they're having their most important meal of the day with just beer, as Bob Rooney has, <laughs> uh, 
And if you're drinking beer, yeah, if you're drinking beer in the morning, you need to go see, go into rehab. Yeah, do. <laughs> I'll give one exemption, and that's to school leavers here in Australia on when, uh, at the end of year 12 or 12th grade, as you Americans call it. Uh, don't know about the US, Senior. but uh, people in Australia will go, often go away for a week with their friends and what they call schoolies or leavers, depending on what state you're in. So I'm pretty sure some of my friends had beer for breakfast that week. Oh, in the United States, people are just, uh, they don't like that. I mean, they're too prudish to let high school seniors have a beer. I suppose because you're drinking ages 21 and not 18, and a lot of people um, will have at least one 18-year-old in the group anyway to get alcohol. Wait a minute, what did you say the legal age was in Australia? 18, so um, it, it, so some, like a lot, a lot of high school friendship groups would have at least one 18-year-old, especially now. I mean, uh, yeah, so there'd be at least one person to buy alcohol um, in the group. Yeah, in the United States, at least when I was growing up, the legal age was 18 for a long time, and then they raised it to 21 my senior year. When I was, uh, in 1984, I was 17, and then that was the year they raised it up to 21, and it was a big pressure by MAD or Mothers Against Drunk Driving. What they did was they convinced the Congress to raise uh, the minimum drinking age to uh, 20, 21, or they wanted the states to. And they threatened to withhold funding for highway projects unless they did that. Hmm. That's right. And then, yeah, it was like basically extortion for the states. And then on top of that, the um, anyway, after that, well, anyway, the states caved. And then all of a sudden, you know, we can not drink till we're 21. Now, it didn't matter to me too much. I wasn't a heavy drinker. Never have been. But uh, still, it was kind of like, ah, you're just trying to mess with people. We can sign up for the military and die for our country, but we can't have a beer. That doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, it's a good food for, for, food for thought there, Stephen. Uh, yes, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a big drinker myself, but I would have been cheesed. I'm like, I'm going to wait another three years? Dang it! But yeah, I would have been a bit cheesed. Uh, yeah, so... Um, so at the breakfast, at the dining room table, um, there is a mission to get uh, Jefferson away from code na- codename KFC. Our last officer Dan has codename KFC. That's obviously Marcy flown the coop yet. <laughs> Gentlemen, focus. We are here on an important mission to save our brother Darcy from the fire-breathing, lipless beak of his wife. <laughs> On the day when all married men need their friends the most, their wedding anniversary. <laughs> Brother Dan, has codename KFC flown the coop yet? No, but she's headed for the living room. Let's just hope there's a man left to rescue after Marcy's done with him. Ah, don't be ridiculous. Jefferson may look like a pretty boy, but he's all man. I did like that. I thought that was a good code name. <laughs> I do too. Uh, and I just want to say on a tangent, uh, so... Most people know KFC is Kentucky Fried Chicken, the American fried chicken restaurant. That's um second largest restaurant chain around the world after McDonald's. We have 22,621 locations in 136 countries as of December 2018. And I just want to say on another note, uh, so this is December 2021. Yesterday, at the time of recording, was a year since my best friend's funeral. And uh, Rob actually worked at KFC for a while. So thinking of you, Rob, I uh, had a bit of chick fried chicken for you this weekend. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Well, raise a drumstick to Rob. <laughs> yeah, raise a, raise a drumstick. Or a chicken hooter. <laughs> but yeah, so. Codename KFC is obvious, uh, Je- but Jefferson is in the house, 
Watching soapies drinking Marcy's coffee. Ew! <laughs> Don't spit back in the mug. Oh, and then she drank it. Ew! Disgusting! Oh, Lance, how I've longed for you. Don't do it, Lance. <laughs> She's really your sister. <laughs> Yes, dear. Uh, oh, a uh, a three o'clock job interview. <laughs> Fine. I still like that scene though. Jefferson <laughs> doing what he does best. He's drinking coffee, watching his soap opera. And what was his comment? It was something like, "Don't marry her. She's your sister." <laughs> I, I couldn't make it out of my monitor at least. It, I, I got the Mill Creek DVDs and it was a bit blurred on that. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Anyway, I just loved it. loved that scene because Jefferson is truly Jefferson. Yes, I mean, he is a pretty boy. But <laughs> <laughs> he's all man. Yes. Um, no, like, talking about jokes about certain groups, I mean, I do enjoy the jokes about soap operas because they're making fun of... Yes! <laughs> things are so easy to make fun of still but I do love I do like that scene too and it's nice to see inside Marcy and Jefferson's house and when the phone rings and Jefferson just picks it up and it's upside down oh, <laughs> oh no he, he just picks no Marcy comes down he picks it up it's upside down he's pretending to t- talk to someone about a job interview that's great Jefferson right there you know the phone's gonna ring and I still laugh yes yeah so I say well you know the yeah, well, the phone rang when he had it in his hand, pretending to talk on it. Yeah. And let me tell you, this is one thing I did like about this episode, is that we got to see a lot more of the dynamic between Jefferson and Marcy. And this is a Jefferson-centric episode, something we really don't have many of at all. Yeah. Um, I did one, a review with Tyler, um, what was that called? The, um, the Darcy Files? That's it, yes. Yeah, that one. That was... The same thing there. We had a Jefferson, more of a Jefferson-centric episode. Hmm. Yes, we did. We did uh, back in season eight, if I recall correctly. I just thought of something the two episodes have in common, but I'll touch on that when we get to it. All right. Uh, but yeah, Jefferson is obviously not on the phone, and it rings when he's on it. So he's basically being his usual low for self, and... Just stop watching soap operas. I mean, back to that day when I was in hospital. See, I had a choice between soap operas and NFL... I picked the NFL. I don't think I watched many soap operas. I think it was game shows, and there used to be a show called Rescue 911, where they do 911 reenactments. Okay, that was always on during that. the day. If you if you were off from school, you could watch that. Ah, see, so there was a different time to um, when I was off from school and what was on TV. I never got into soap operas here in the United States. And, and you mean the NFL of the United States, the National Football League up here? Yeah, 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 because I remember the day I was in hospital after I was ba- badly assaulted. I was in a hospital bed in, in the morning, and I was thinking, okay, it's either soap operas or NFL. Yeah, NFL. Easy decision. But you still hate the NFL, huh? I don't hate it, but I, I, it's not exactly, I'm not exactly a sports fan, but I would happily watch NFL over soap operas. Yeah, I don't know what I would watch between us. Oh, yeah, I'm going to watch the NFL, but uh, soap operas, I agree. I can't watch them i'd rather watch golf than <laughs> <laughs> as some would call it the tv equivalent of making paint dry yeah <laughs> or i'd rather watch friends on endless repeat than <laughs> no no you'd rather watch enemies <laughs> so than endless repeat <laughs> uh, 
And I noticed in this scene, Marcy was actually says she, you know, cook the dinner, set the table, even do everything in bed. Not very feminist of Marcy, hey, because Jefferson doesn't remember what day it is at all. Do you know what day it is today? Today? <laughs> of course, it's your. <laughs> it's my. <laughs> it's our. <clears throat> it's our. What could we possibly have in common? It's our anniversary, you soap-addicted wastrel. Oh. Marcy, I, I was going to surprise you, but now you've ruined it. I... Don't talk. Just listen. I'll go to work. Then I'll come home. I'll set the table. I'll cook the dinner. And tonight in bed, I'll even do all the work. Marcy will get what she wants out of it. Yeah, just, Jefferson just can't play with Alan No Man because she doesn't want him to go to jail again. And does Jefferson really need to shave? He looks pretty clean shaven here. Oh, yeah. He looks great. He always looks great. He always looks like a million bucks. And it's like he doesn't need to shave because he looks pretty clean shaven in that shot. Marcy, why can't I play with Al? <laughs> it's my anniversary, too. Look, I am tired of spending my anniversary bailing you out of jail. Now, you just shower and shave and be here when I get home at 7. Mm-hmm. He does. Maybe just a bit of a tidy up. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, by the end of the day. Um, but yeah, Jefferson also often looks like he's just stepped out of a, a magazine or something. Uh, what did you think about the no-man guys doing their farcical thing in the background? Oh, yes, the way that grew coming up to the house and obviously, you know, don't want to be caught by Marcy. I quite like that. You know, they're just, there's no man being no man. And they're ready right there. And immediately they're coming over quickly to get there right after she leaves. <laughs> yeah, conveniently. It was almost as if they knew what time to come over and everything. Jefferson! Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> Look, no, I know why you guys are here, and whatever it is, I just can't do it, okay? I promised Marcy I would stay home, and there's nothing you can say that will make me go back on that promise. But it's foreign exchange day at the Jiggly Room. <laughs> Featuring hooters from our sister city, Chihuahua, Mexico. <laughs> well, they were keeping tabs on her. That's true. That's very true. As soon as she flew the coop, they came over. <laughs> they probably know her habits religiously. Yeah. Yeah, because Marcy would be the sort of person who would um, have a pretty, pretty decent routine. Mm-hmm. And then they come in and, they, and they're trying to cajole Jefferson to uh, go to the jiggly room. <laughs> and he doesn't want to, but then apparently you got hooters from... Sister City Chihuahua, Mexico, which isn't actually um, Chicago Sister City. No. No. That's Mex- Mexico City for Chicago, but Chihuahua's actual sister cities are Pueblo in Colorado, which is in the south of the state, south of Greater Denver, and where the boys in South Park live, and Albuquerque in New Mexico. My sister city is Austin, Texas. Unfortunately, not Houston. Sorry, Chris. Oh, I'll just, I'll see what Perth's is. I can't remember what Perth's sister city is. I'll look it up. Uh, Perth sister city. Sometimes called Twin Towns as well. Uh, so, it's okay. Not Camden, Lismore, Rockingham. Okay, Perth. Uh, well, funny enough, Perth in Scotland. 
Oh, actually, hey, Chris, uh, Perth is twinned with Houston in Texas and San Diego in, in California. San Diego's pretty fitting because West Coast Seaside. Mm-hmm. What's strange is Tulsa, Oklahoma, our sister city, supposedly, from what I remember, is uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. What? I can't figure that one out. <laughs> that makes no sense. Because uh, I've got a bit about... Let me double check that. I've got a bit about sister cities and twin towns, if you prefer. Um, so sister cities or twin towns are a form of legal or social agreement between towns, cities, countries, oblasts, prefectures, provinces, regions, states, and even countries in geographic and politically distinct areas to promote cultural and commercial times. It was conceived after the Second World War in 1947, intended to foster friendship and understanding among different cultures and between former foes as an act of peace and reconciliation, and to encourage trade and tourism. It was very common by the 2000s and increasingly used to form strategic international business links among member cities. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit of background between sister cities and twin towns. Even small towns tend to have them, like Michael Stewart's uh, 10,000 town of People town of Caldicott and Wales. That, that's got a couple of uh, sister towns. So that there you have it. Uh, it's a, they're all on Wikipedia. So if you're ever bored or just were curious, look up your um, sister city or um, because you're bound you're bound to have you're bound to have one. Uh, even some of bits of Adelaide have even certain bits of Adelaide have sister cities. Uh, Anna. Oh, I'm sure they do. Uh, I'm sorry. I just looked it up and I was totally wrong. Maybe I got it. It is another type of city relation with St. Paul, but our sister cities are, I don't know how to say, if I send this right, but Amiens, France, Beihai, China, Sali, Germany, Kaohsiung, Taiwan, San Luis, Potosi, Mexico, Tiberias, Israel, Utsnomaya, Japan, and Zelenograd, Russia. Nice. We have a lot of sisters. Yeah, Perth's got ten. Adelaide has uh five. <laughs> we don't we don't deserve that that many. Well, we are big in here. Yeah, we have got Austin, Texas. We got Christchurch, I think, and uh, one in Japan. I've forgotten. Yeah, I got a. Uh, you know, speaking of sisters, I do have a sister, a uh, cat. Catherine, she lives in Tennessee, but, um, you know, uh, I do those driving lessons I've mentioned before, Matt brought up once, and it was, this was years ago, I'll never forget it, I went to go um, to this uh, student's home, we used to pick him up and drop him off at home, and there was this little boy outside, he was playing in a big rain puddle, and I asked him, hi there, what's your name, and he said, my name's Jacob, I have four, I, I'm four years old, and I have three very annoying sisters, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> he was too cute for his own good. Aww. No. Anyway. Yes. Moving right along. Yes, moving on to, oh, 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 oh we are in the Jiggly Room, uh, Ah, well, clearly the guys have all had too much to drink because I'm a village person. <laughs> Are we going to gloss over Miss 63 Triple K? Ah, Miss Sierra <laughs> Marjorie, the featured dancer at the uh, Jiggly Room. Uh, mm, 
I got my notes here. Ooh, she's hot. If she really is 63 triple K, she must have awful back problems. Yeah, her back would be like, ah! <laughs> but I mean, cup sizes obviously vary, vary from one country to another. Australian ones are similar, more similar to the US and the UK, because UK, they've got things like double F, double G, double H. We go up to P, they go up to M, US goes up to R. Yikes. R-rated boobs, R-rated hooters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, low one. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi has written here that, oh, by the way, strip clubs, to entice men to go into them, use metric measurements to make it seem as if a woman's bust is bigger than it actually is. Ah! Wait, using metric measurements in America? <laughs> <laughs> well, it must work. That's about the only time they'll use them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish... Um, the United States would switch to the metric system. It is a lot easier and simpler. Do you think you ever will? Because I know you guys have used um, miles and inches and pounds for many years. We, we switched to the 70s. Yeah, I remember going to school in the 70s and they said the metric system is coming. The metric system is coming here. It never really caught on. I don't, I don't understand why. Who knows? Uh, I mean, I don't know when Canada switched, but uh, I remember watching TV in school and it would often air Canadian programs. Anna might know what I'm talking about. I think so. Yeah, it often had Canadian programs because of, like, things like maths and science were similar to our curriculum. They could air them. Yeah. But yeah, 63 triple K. Yeah, not a, not a real b- b- cup size, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so what time does Jefferson need to be home by? 7 o'clock. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but hang on. Even though Marcy said she gets home at six. I thought Marcy should be home, she home, she had to be home by seven. No, no, no. I think she's going to be home at seven. He needs to be home at six. Ah, oh, yes. He needs to be ready. Yeah, so he can be ready to do the wild thing. Yes, get in the <laughs> mood and all that. Uh... Oh, no, she said seven. Sorry. Yeah. All good. So Kelly and Bud, they're trying to escape mid-story. That's very rude for your poorly neighbour. But you're talking about Kelly and Bud here. Yeah, not very nice to them. Uh, poor old guy, he wants a Q-tip and a hammer. He probably wants to kill himself. And then Jefferson, another bad medical joke when Jefferson says, oh, just twist his IV, crink his IV line, and he'll go right to sleep. And he does. He's... Hey, where are you guys going? <laughs> That was such a good ending, we thought you were finished. Heck no, I was just getting started. Nurse, I need a Q-tip and a hammer. Just uh, pinch that tube, he'll fall right asleep. Cool. So... I went with Al and the guys to the nudie bar with only the best of intentions. Each and every one of us was a perfect gentleman. Because that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's not what's going to happen if you crinkle an IV. <laughs> yeah, there have been better medical jokes and TV over the years. I, can, I mean, I, can, I, I will admit that. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Stephen, watch the episode of Mr. Bean where he's in a hospital queue and he does things like swap people's tickets and jump the line. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell do you think you're doing? Pinching my bottom in a hospital queue. Good morning. 
Name, please. Uh, B. And what seems to be the problem? Well, I'm a fan of Scrubs. If you've ever seen that old show, oh, I remember. Scrubs. Oh yeah, yeah. And they had some really clever writers that knew how to write the medical jokes in there pretty well. Like one of my favorites was when Turk is talking to this doctor, and he says, or, or no, he's not talking to a doctor. He's talking to a patient, and he says, "Sir, sir, you misread it. This isn't analgesic cream. It's analgesic cream." Hmm. You know, I thought that was good. I couldn't get into Scrubs myself because I remember when I was 17, a few years, quite a few years after it first aired in Australia, it went around my year group in school like a virus almost. Almost everyone was into it. I tried, I watched about three or four episodes, but just couldn't get into it. Maybe I should try it again? I think should. it's a good show. I just, uh, I, don't, I would avoid the last season, but I've, I've, I've seen all of them at least once. I've, I've seen oh. all the episodes once, but I've seen a few episodes here and there a couple of times. I've seen a lot of those episodes, and I agree, the last season was horrid. But, yeah. you know, they had some clever writers that knew how to write in stuff. MASH had some good writers that could write in some good stuff, too. On med- mm. Of course, they have a medical person there. I think that probably helps. But, like I said, the medical jokes in this particular episode, it's just ridiculous. And they're just not clever. I mean, come up with something good. Like, uh, another... Another good one Scrubs had is that all bleeding will end one way or another. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah, we'll make a note at some point when I get a spare moment in my life uh, to actually to retry Scrubs. Uh, I don't know if I just didn't click of it or because I tried a random episode. Is, before we move on, is the sort of show you need to watch your episode one before we get? Um, I, didn't, I didn't start from the beginning, but I did go back. And so I just I was a casual viewer, and then I watched them all in order. I think starting from beginning may help, but there's an episode. I think it's literally episode three or four of the entire show where it's actually quite sad at the end. And that was the first, or one of the first TV shows to play Hallelujah before it became ubiquitous. Oh, and that was actually very effective. Oh, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, it mixes comedy, fantasy, and drama, and I think that's why I thought it was such a well-crafted show, and it dealt with real things that medical people deal with. One of the, one of the episodes that got me hooked was when JD was scared he was going to kill a patient because Dr. Cox told him, hey, every medical person has to realize if you, when you're working in medicine that somehow some way someday by accident you are when trying to help someone you're going to kill them instead mm. there. and that is true mm-hmm. um, I remember a few times that happened with me and like what Dr. Kelso once said if you're lucky it's someone on their way out already but enough scrubs. Yes, yeah, so we're so they're trying to sneak. So we're trying to sneak out. Uh, thankfully, they don't, because otherwise we wouldn't hear the rest rest of the story. Rest of the story. Uh, yeah, come come on, Kelly and Bud. We want to listen to the rest of this. It's all Chicken's Eve or birthversary. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember which one, guys. Help me. Hey, I'm a village person. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Darcy. Should I continue to charge the lap dances on your wife's credit card? <laughs> sure. It's her anniversary, too. <laughs> oh, and uh, have one yourself, Iqbal. One thousand thank yous. Dollars! 
Jefferson, you told me to tell you when it's six o'clock. Thanks, Al. When is it? Uh, about a half hour ago. <laughs> I gotta get home. I was about to take you there. Seth Fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, oh, dearie me, the, oh, I don't know what, Bob Rooney, what are you doing, and, uh, guys, it's 6.30, a tattoo, it probably is not the best wedding anniversary gift, especially when you only have 30 minutes to get home. On top of that, the tattoo artist is drunk. Oh, he's, he's literally drunk, he is absolutely trashed, uh, I've had a few friends get more trashed, but, uh, he's pretty up there, he's had at least 10 pints of beer. All right, fellas, break. Break it up. Jefferson, you got to get one of those. Oh, I don't know, Al. It's hard enough that Marcy has to support me having another mouth to feed. Not the girl, you beer nuts. I'm talking about a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what could be more romantic than having a woman's name etched into your arm by an accomplished body illustrator? Is there, is there a tattoo artist in the house? <laughs> Of course, this is your lucky day, Jefferson. Paris can do this for you. And uh, but real quick, though, um, you got to remember, I want to bring this up because the stripper that was dancing for Jefferson, mm-hmm. her name was uh, Tracy Bingham. All right. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and she's a very prolific actress. I mean, she starred in quite a few things other than this episode of Mary with Children. For example, she was in Baywatch, or I got her in Baywatch for a while. And I thought she was she was in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That was on her debut. And she also was I thought she was in the Dream Team TV movie, the Dream Team TV series. Uh Malcolm and Eddie. I thought she was in um boy, that show that Alex really liked, uh, uh Say by the Bell. Yeah, I thought she was in that, but maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. She probably was. She was in a lot of things. Yeah. I, re- I remember her from Baywatch as well. Yeah, and she hasn't done much of anything since about 2015 or so. So I don't know what she's doing now, but she was very prolific and got her. I, this was one of her first roles. Yeah. And in 2002, <laughs> there was a Fox show like a reality show called Celebrity Boot Camp. Yeah. And she was on that with our very own David Faustino. And Tracy Bingham was the runner-up. She did really well. And it came down between her and Coolio. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a name for you. Um, and all the other people, the contestants who had got out up until that point, they had to vote for which one they thought would win. And David Faustino, who I think finished at about third or fourth, he voted for Tracy over his, his mate Coolio. So All right. That's how well she did. But so, yeah. <laughs> Just something else that I've seen her in because of David Faustino. Oh, nice. She was also, yeah, she was also in The Surreal Light. That was one I got into on VH1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looks like she has more appearances as herself than what she does as... Um, uh, uh, TV and movies. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> has she posed naked? Yeah, has she? Uh, that I don't know. She has? I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> On a quick search, I don't see anything, but maybe she's just a, a, a model. Maybe, you just don't know But sometimes. if you're curious, you can have a look. I mean, she is gorgeous. So. Mm, yes, yeah, she is. 
They picked well to cast her, that's for sure. I will say that. And we'll see her again in Married with Children. That we will. That we will. But yes, uh, so she makes a nice appearance there. And don't do it, Jefferson. Just don't get the tattoo. Uh, oh, but he did. Uh, on his hiney. Oh, no. Now, I got to mention this, too. When he walks out, uh, you know, after the tattoo, he's looking on his arms, looking on his chest. He sits down and he realizes that's where he got the tattoo. He is going to be feeling that walking out of there. Yeah. How does anyone not get a tattoo and feel like it? Yeah, that's what I think, yeah. He, I know he's a bit hammered, but still, yeah, he would. that would be stinging. That'd be stinging quite a bit because I've never gotten a tattoo. Either you guys got one? Nope. Uh, not me, and I personally, for a few reasons, I don't uh, want a tattoo. I mean, one of the reasons would be, I'd be thinking, do I really want this for the next 60 plus years of my life? Because it might seem a good idea at 30, but by the time I'm 35, I'm thinking, really? That's the thing. No, I, 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 don't, ha- I don't have a tattoo either, because if I think if I'm going to uh, put something on my skin permanently, it's got to be perfect. And then I have nothing against people who get tattoos, but it... If, yeah, it's it's got to be in the right place. It's got to be perfect. And I just haven't found that perfect thing. Or, you know, if you put somebody's name, you might split up. I mean, this I'm talking a while ago. But I always remember Peggy in, in season four, you know, talks about grandma with her t- tattoos on her breasts, you know, love and hate. And don't you think, don't you think she feels silly now with those verbs bouncing against her knees? <laughs> it also kind of reminds me of that... Uh episode how do you spell revenge when kelly's dating that boy who wants her to get a tattoo on of her he wants her to get a tattoo of his name he's going to get 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 a tattoo of of her name and it turns out this is revenge that this uh older guy did for dating peg and he put peggy on his arm and he had to marry a really hefty woman named peggy because he had that permanently on his arm oh you remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great one. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, Kelly's boyfriend had to find another girl called Kelly. Oh, she's kind of fat, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so for a number of reasons, I couldn't get a tattoo myself. Uh, like, the main one is, do I really want this for the rest of my life? Because, you know, they're, they're the same. I mean, some things stay the same, but some change. Yeah, and that's the reason why I don't want to get one. Who knows what's, what's going to happen in um, 10, 20 years. I mean, I'll be 55 in March, but anyway, I just don't want one. Yeah, fair enough. Each of their own. If you want tattoos, knock yourself out, but not for me. Uh, and then, but when back to the Jefferson's tattoo, when he finds out it's got Mary, uh-oh. And then you see Jefferson's look of doom, as I call it. That's a pretty big look of doom. And Al, I like the way Al breaks it to him. I hate to tell you this, buddy. You have Mary on your Maybe married to Marcy, but you have Mary on your butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jefferson, drop trout. Hey, too. Here we go. Come on. <laughs> oh, man, Marcy's gonna love this. Uh, I don't know, Jefferson. I think he left out to sea. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I hate to tell you this, buddy, but. Uh, you might be married to Marcy, but uh, your ass says, I love Mary. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, also cut back to the hospital where Kelly and Bud are doing typical Bundy thievery, you know, stealing everything they can, can from the hospital. And the old guy decides to turn out the lights. Bye-bye. Watch. The tattoo on my butt said, I love M-A-R-Y. So what's the problem? M-A-R-Y, Marcy. <laughs> There's a C in Marcy. M-A-R-Y-C? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, the C is silent. That's it. I'm gone. Shouldn't we do something? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Another bad medical joke. An IV will not cause a flat line. No. <laughs> I thought that was the worst joke of them all. Yeah, I Take agree. Take out a random IV. Yeah. Did give it the opportunity for Kelly to steal his watch. And speaking of Kelly... Kelly, you insipid bimbo. M-A-R-Y is not Marcy. But the C is silent. <laughs> but then she says M-A-R-Y-C. And, like, she looks stoned out of a gourd when she says that line. I'm just wondering if she was really, really bored with her dialogue here. She might have been. I didn't think she had great dialogue. Uh, one thing I didn't notice was Bud stealing the old man's wallet. And... I like what you pointed out. When he does go out, I thought the follow-up joke was good. Hey, let's get his watch, you know, instead of calling for yeah. a nurse or something. I mean, that's typical Bundy character. Yes. Yes, uh, typical Bun- Bundy stuff, you know, take everything you can. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, of course. Uh, uh, still a bit, uh, I think the best or worst bit of the story is yet to come uh, as, as, as Jefferson has got to tell them uh, after the stealing of the watch. Uh, Marcy's pretty ready, isn't she? She's singing Donna Summer's Hot Stuff from 1979 or 8. Gonna get some hot stuff. <laughs> Man, I mean some hot stuff, baby, tonight. Honey, come on, dinner is served. Hot Stuff came out in... No, not... Oh, not Kygo's modern version. Not the original one by the late, late, great Donna Summer. She passed away when I was in university, I remember. Ah, 79. I thought it was 79, but I wasn't 100% sure. Uh, yeah. I was just amazed that it was a Donna Summer song that wasn't She Works Hard for the Money. I know. They got the rights for another song of hers. <laughs> or at least for someone like Marcy to sing about 10 seconds of it. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, Marcy wants that hot stuff. Oh, she does. You know, dinner's all on the table. She's ready. But Jefferson, why are you wearing three pairs of pants, trousers? It was for his third anniversary. It's your fifth anniversary, you burk, Jefferson. He's got two pairs of underwear. Jefferson, sweetheart, exactly. How many pairs of pants are you wearing? (laughs) Exactly three. Why? Well, because uh, the third anniversary is the pants anniversary. (laughs) It's our fifth. Yeah. (laughs) Points for continuity here, I think, because it is the fifth anniversary, and that checks out because they, well, according to when the show aired, they got married in January of 1991, and here it's, uh, like you say, almost for Valentine's Day 1996. 
So that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, yeah for a change, but have continuity. I'll give them I'll give them credit for that, especially because early in the same year, they obviously you know think oh Jeff has been on the show for five years, so they obviously must have done their research as to how long they've been married for. So kudos to the writers and everyone on this episode for that, because actually actually works. Uh, oh. Yes. <laughs> and then he got his excuses as to why he won't sit down. Now sit down and eat. Uh, I, uh, I think I'll eat standing. <laughs> why? Because I find the top of your head so beautiful. <laughs> that and the name Mary are my two favorite things about you. Jefferson, sit. Yes, dear. Honey, hmm? why are you down there? Because I worship you. I just, that was a thing that frustrated me too. You know, all the pants and underwear. I just thought, oh, what is, I thought it was just a lame joke. I don't know what the writers were trying to do there, but that part did not work at all. No, it just it just went on a bit long, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't the strongest joke to begin with. I mean, I'm all for Marcy and Jefferson having scenes together by themselves, but I, I just wanted more. Yeah, it was a bit dragged out, because obviously he, he stands, then he kneels on the floor saying he's worshipping Marcy. Uh, oh, and... Uh. He just, he just, he tries to figure out some way of getting, you know, out of this, through this, with all three layers of trousers on. Cuts uh, up the food meticulously and says he has to chew it so many times. Twenty-five thousand times. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, see, my my bottom has never been that sore. But on a side note, I remember this time a couple of years ago, my elbows and knees were basically failed and. I was I was actually worse than Jefferson. I couldn't stand or sit for more than a minute that day. Hmm. And I had to be I basically ended the day in bed in agony. So I was worse than Jefferson in a way because yeah, my bottom was fine, but my elbows and knees were sore. And uh, I actually had my family over early Christmas, and uh, half of them just uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was I was I was in absolute pain. I was like trying to host everyone for Christmas. Like, ow, ow. Not a fun day. And then he gets to go back. Over or, or then we go back to the Bundy household, and I did like, kind of like this part here because these guys they're trying to get Harris, the tattoo artist, to uh, practice his C's on Bob Rooney's butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good scene. Uh, ha- Harris, the drunk tattoo artist, who is still trashed. He must have drunk more more alcohol since he left the nudie bar. Not as much as Bob Rooney, because he is. Passed out. <laughs> but that's Bob Rooney for you. Al, how's it coming? Fine, fine. We're, we're almost ready. Call back in a few minutes. No, that doesn't look like a C either. <laughs> hey, he's been trying for three hours. There isn't much room left. <laughs> we're going to have to shave that other cheek. For God's sake, just make a see how tough can it be. I need a shot. I'll give you a shot. Yes, they almost had to shave the other cheek. I know. Ew. Now that one, had, that one had me laughing really hard. 
Yeah, Bob Rooney, he, he, he's another world of his own, that man. I, I, I almost wish we could have got a glimpse of the tattoo because I'm no tattoo artist and I don't proclaim to be an expert in tattoo artistry at all. But does the tattoo artist have to be the one to draw the C? I mean, couldn't someone else have taken the tattoo gun and and uh, either drawn in, written in the C, or um, I, I assume he's changing the Y to look like a C and then a Y kind of thing, and there's probably some skill involved in that. I mean, that's what I tell myself, because I'm just like, why do they need Harris to do it? I mean, somebody else just do it who's less drunk, you know? <laughs> Like a C? Lay off, will you? C's a tough letter. <laughs> your blood has more alcohol than plasma, they're all tough letters. Maybe they could go under instructions, but I don't know. Tattoo artistry, I know, is very meticulous and careful. Yeah. Even he says, hey, C's are hard. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. C's a hard letter. It's literally a curve. <laughs> Yeah, uh, C is for cookie, C is for uh, <laughs> cake, and C is for cock-up, as in his tattoo work. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Oh, cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C. C is also for call, as in phone call. Oh! Oh, but lucky answers. And it's Peg. Al, is that you? Al, I'm in Paris. Everyone here is so rude and smelly. I'm just thinking about you all the time. Oh, Al, I know you think about me too. I wish I could see your face right now. Oh, stop barking at me. I know you're upset about the cost of me taking the Concorde over here. But I'm hot on Dad's trail. Yeah, he was spotted at a Jerry Lewis film festival. Well, Lucky was very cute, though. <laughs> now, I, I like this part because first she says, I'm sorry for the Concorde. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that was an expensive flight. And it's the arrow. I hope you don't mind if I go with this one here but it's the okay. yeah aerospatial bac concord it's a british french turbojet powered by a supersonic passenger airliner that was operating until 2003 its maximum speed was twice the speed of sound or mach 2 and that's 1300 roughly miles an hour or 218 or 2180 kilometers per hour at cruise altitude Anyway, it uh, has seating for 92 to 128 passengers. It first flew in 1969. It entered service in 1976 and continued to fly for the next 27 years. It is the only two of supersonic transports that have been operated commercially. The other is the Soviet-built Tupolev Tu-144, and that was in the late 1970s. Speaking of the 70s, there were these... Uh, movies called Airport 77 or Airport 78 or something like that. I forget how many there were. There's a few. Uh, there's Airport, Airport 1975, which was the second one. That was the only good one. All the others were just horrible. 
I've seen Airplane, which is a comedic parody of it. Yeah, but real yeah. quick, the thing is, in um, the last Airport movie made was Airport 79, The Concord. Yeah. So it was in there. And then when, uh, you know, George Kennedy was in all of them in one way or another. He was the one recurring character. And so um, Airplane was made. And then about eight years later, the same guys made The Naked Gun and George Kennedy was cast. And he went to the ZAZ brothers and he said, hey, guys, I wish you would have asked me to join you for the airplane. On the, I would have loved to have done that with you, which I thought was interesting. He was ready to parody himself. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I saw Airport, I think, when I was 15, but found it boring. But I did watch Airplane last year after Donated Blood, and I loved it. So uh, it was called actually called Flying High here in Australia, I, I think. Or was it the other way it around? It was, yeah. Flying High and Flying High 2. And Flying High well, is probably one of my favorite movies. Nice. Well, it's, it's my number one comedy favorite yeah. on my top ten list of comedies. But you also have to think about this. You know, she's in France and she talks about she's looking for her father. And I'm thinking, well, what better place for a father to hide than France? Because Al hates France. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Ephraim would be the type of guy to go to a Jerry Lewis film festival. (laughs) Yes. Jerry, the good old Jerry Lewis. Uh, In this podcast, we've previously talked about Jerry Lewis and the French's infatuation with him in season seven's The Death of a Shoe Salesman. And the cab driver, um, he looked kind of familiar, and I think he's one of the crew. I think it's his name is Bert Cook, Elk. or Bert L. Cook, and he's an assistant writer on the show. But he appeared a couple of times, and you'll see him in season 11 when he actually had a line. But um, I think that might be him who's sitting in the cab pretending to drive it with the beret and the, and the cigarette and all that. But um, as we mentioned before, this is um, one of Peggy's pre-taped scenes, so she's talking to nobody especially and Al or in L- Lucky in this case <laughs> is talking to um, a pre-recording and if you go by production code order um, this is the last one she filmed before she took some time off completely um, to have her son who is now uh, 25 wow makes me feel old hmm yeah and I-, I did like her lines there Al everyone here is rude and uh and smelly reminds me of you. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's obviously a backdrop, but yeah, that's a pretty good image of Paris in the background and a pretty convincing French cab driver with his beret and jeton. I just love that there's like some random people, like they're at Mardi Gras or whatever, and then a picture of the Eiffel Tower in the background. So you, you know she's in Paris. Yes, and yeah, jeton obviously being a French band of cigarettes, meaning gyp- gypsy woman. It's just. Uh, n- I also got a kick out when you go back to the Bundy household and Al scolds Lucky, bad dog, for obviously <laughs> answering and put the phone for back. Of course, yeah, bad dog, bad Lucky. <laughs> Lucky was very cute knocking the phone off the receiver, though. I thought that was adorbs. Yeah, Lucky's been trained up pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know if Lucky did any TV before Married with Children, but Lucky's been trained up pretty quick. So Harris still can't get a C right because it's a tough letter. And uh, yeah, J- Jefferson... Uh, he tries to go to Al's house to get the tattoo fixed, but caught red-handed. Yeah, Jefferson, come on over. He's as ready as he's gonna be. Hold it, partner. 
going somewhere? Me? No, ma'am. <laughs> Say, I got an idea. To, uh, to enhance the pleasure, why don't you go up and hide somewhere real sexy? And I'll count while you hide, and when I find you, Oh, baby. You say red, and Marcy's wearing red. Mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> yeah. She looks pretty good in that thing. I was about to say, she looks good. She does. And again, um, Stephen mentioned um, you and Tyler doing the Darcy Files in Season 8. And again, Marcy is wearing cowboy-themed lingerie in that episode yeah. and in this episode. So she's got to think about that. She likes cowboys. She do. And I, I don't know what it is. I guess Jefferson, if he had on the cowboy hat, he would look like a good cowboy. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he can look good in just about anything. That's the way he is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yep. yes, ma'am, I'm coming up. Uh, so Jefferson decides to turn this into a game of hide-and-go-seek, uh, where Marcy hides and Jefferson counts to, well, get the, try and get the tattoo fixed. <laughs> Did you notice where she hid as well? Yeah, the laundry basket. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, how could even she fit in there? <laughs> That's just little. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson does get a tattoo fixed, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be fixed, it's just not fixed well. The T is easier than a C, really? <laughs> yeah. I would think so. Two straight lines, you don't have that big arc for the C. Oh, yeah, there's no awkward curve. There's no hard curve in the T, so... <laughs> oh, it killed... The, the good part was when uh, they said, so what was the problem? You know, when they go back to the hospital, Jefferson's there, and the kids ask, well, what's the problem? And he says, well, just take a look. And Kelly's like, old guy butt, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so then what happened? Well, I made it over to your dad's house. and Harris repaired the tattoo, and... Marcy finally got her anniversary present. Well, so if the tattoo is fixed, then why do you need surgery now? Take a look. Oh, old guy butt. I love Marty. <laughs> so I guess you're here to have that thing removed, huh? Well, yeah, that and uh, the other thing. Yeah, Kelly's like, not going there. But uh, they said, oh, you have Marty on your butt. And he says, yeah, and that's why I'm here. That and the other thing. What other thing? A boot! Yeah. They put up that, the doctors put up that x-ray and you can see that boot up his ass. It, it reminded me of Red Foreman in that 70s show. Foot up your ass, you know? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I love Red Foreman. <laughs> You are about to read a book that my foot wrote. It's called On the Road to In Your Ass. But the thing is, if Bud already looked at that tattoo, he would have seen part of that boot sticking out of his butt. Yes. So it's like, how would he not know what is, anyway, <laughs> poor medical joke. It must be pretty well wedged up there. Yeah. Now, the thing is, again, another botched medical joke i, I kind of like it to a certain extent but it was it just that kind of that inconsistency just kind of kicked me out a little bit a little bit yeah i see what you mean 
Yes, yes, uh, and with the old guy butt, I mean, Ted McGinley was only 38 at this point, so obviously older than oh, Kelly, God. but 38 is hardly old, it's not, it's not even middle-aged. That's younger than me. Yeah, middle-aged doesn't start to you 45. Yeah, or, good lord, you know, by the way, I gotta get this gripe out of my way. They have all these types of jeans out there, you know, like uh, straight-legged and uh, skinny jeans and all these other type of jeans. And those jean makers have failed yet to make a perfect jean called the old man's no-ass jean. <laughs> I need that pair because my ass has just been shrinking and shrinking. Like, <laughs> you know, like kind of like Al's has done over the years. You know, when you get old, Matt, that happens a lot. So I hope that doesn't happen to you, but it happens. I'll keep that in mind, Stephen. I mean, I'm only 30. When this goes to air, I'll, I'll be close to turning 31. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully if that ever happens to me, it's a long, long way down the road. Well, I hope so, Mike. Just reminds, just reminds me of Al, you know, he's like, look at his pants. They just go straight down. You know, I think that was a comment one time. Old guy, but he doesn't have a butt. You know, the kids were saying he doesn't have a butt. The pants go straight down. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the episode comes to a close. <laughs> With a boot up Jefferson's butt. <laughs> and the whole thing was never mentioned again. <laughs> Good old sitcom reset. Nope, it never was. That'd be painful, by the way, too. Jefferson should be in a, a, a pretty much immense pain. You know, and that was one thing. I talked about the medical jokes when we talked about scrubs. One of the best, one of the funniest episodes was when they uh, were, when they were working on someone, they were trying to figure out a way to get something out of a guy's butt. And, you know, hospitals do have that problem quite a bit, actually, emergency rooms, unusual things at people's butts. And they always say the same thing. Well, I fell on it. Well, yeah. in scrubs, someone uh, had a light bulb up their butt. <laughs> <laughs> the round part was the part up in there and so they were debating how are we going to get it out without trying to uh without you know breaking it you know because those things all that glass in there would be really hard so they had to figure out a way to do it and even the janitor helped them figure out a way to do it and so they're turk and cox and the janitor all congratulating themselves and kelso takes all the credit for it of course of course but that's a good medical joke. And when Dr. Cox first saw that, he said, well, I'd say he's got a light up his either that kid um, has a light bulb up his butt or his colon has a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good medical joke. And yeah. they're just the Mary with Children writers, at least on these two. And you said they didn't write another one, Annabelle? No, just this episode, according to IMDb anyway. Well, maybe that's, there was a reason why. <laughs> there might have been some thinking on the producer's part. Oh, that wasn't a well-written show, and I don't think it was. <laughs> no. So this is not an episode of season 10 that sticks, sticks really sticks to me. There are more, more memorable ones, because I obviously rewatched it uh, November of last year when I was going through the whole series, and uh, yeah, definitely ones that stick to my brain, my brain more. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. 
To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, so Stephen, how many tattoos are you getting from Harris for this episode? Oh, God. I don't want a tattoo, but if I had to... From Harris! <laughs> yeah, and he's drunk, too, so that's yes. the scary part. <laughs> well, I will... Um... Boy, I've been kind of waffling on this one. I want to give it... I'm just going to give it a straight out three out of five. What I would call a 60% or a D on one of my students. Because it's passable, but it's not very memorable. One thing I did like about it, I like the nonlinear time story. I always kind of like those. That's just me. I It's a Jefferson-centric episode. I mentioned that. He's talking to the soap opera characters and pretends to talk to a potential employer. And I did like the dynamic between Marcy and Jefferson. We've never really seen this very much at all throughout the entire series since uh, Ted McGinley joined. And I did kind of like the payoff joke. But, and Bob Rooney getting his butt shaved, <laughs> so put in the other things. But like I kept coming back to those terrible medical jokes. Pulling out the IV, you know, the $1,000 worth of consult. And how could Jefferson not tell he was getting a tattoo on his butt and all that stuff? So it barely passes for me with a 60%. So three out of five, that's how many tattoos I would get if I wanted one. Oh, three misspelled tattoos from Paris. All right. Hope you're not too sore, Stephen. Ow, ow, ow. Uh, On that note, Annabelle, how many tattoos are you getting from Harris? Well, I will be getting three tattoos from a drunken Harris as well. And, again, a lot of the uh, similar reasons. Um, It's... It's it's an idea. I think the idea of the episode was almost going to be good, and um, and then the writing sort of let it down because it is like we say very tropey. Um, the jokes are quite lazy. There's some doesn't mean I don't enjoy the episode. There's actually um, some funny laugh out loud things here and there, and like I've touched on, I really like that it's a Jefferson and Marcy episode. And like you said, Stephen, it's, we don't get a lot of Marcy and Jefferson together for this amount of time anyway, uh, especially this late in, this, in the series. Because um, <clears throat> it, it is quite late in the show um, and pegs away, Bud and Kelly literally have nothing to do, well, pretty much, um, except that they're literally just plot devices at this point, someone to tell a story to. So it's when they can't focus on Al and No Ma'am exclusively, where are they going to turn? Oh, it's going to be Marcy and Jefferson. So I'm very thankful for that. And like I said, points for continuity to keeping their anniversary the fifth is sort of when I first saw it, I stopped and because th- you watch the show, um, if you watch binge, binge watch it, watch it in an order, I stopped and I thought, wow, he's been on the show for five years already. That's actually true. And that's cool that they acknowledge that. 
Um, so it's nice to have an episode dedicated, focused on them. Um, <laughs> just the writing just lets the whole episode down a little bit. I still enjoy it. I still laugh. Um, Jefferson in hospital is quite funny. He does his little wave at the beginning. Um, Bud and Kelly are just props. Um, Lucky was cute, but and just a token appearance from Peg. But some of the Jiggly Room stuff was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> um, if you're into sexy ladies, there's a lot of sexy ladies around. Um, yeah, and of course the tattoo thing is never brought up again. And I still go debate on whether or not the, the episode title came before the episode idea. I don't know, so that's just something to ponder. But yeah, I'll give it a solid three, but I can't go any higher than that. Oh, thank you, Annabelle. Thank you for that. Uh, as for myself, uh, I don't know how I managed to get myself into getting tattoos from uh, Harris. I must have been drunk myself or something. I don't know. Uh, ow, 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 ow. But I'm going to also give this episode three tattoos. I'm going to have also get three tattoos to this episode. Uh, again, covering similar ground, but, uh, well... The episode started off pretty weakly. Uh, it was I did I did enjoy the way they um, had it as a flashback with Kelly and Bud's um, listening in really badly, bookending the episode and uh, it gave in the middle. So even though Kelly and Bud aren't really used in this episode, it was still was a nice touch. Uh, showing some of uh, Marcy and Jefferson together was nice, even though they could have done something a bit differently. Uh, I always like no ma'am, so. Um, if, if it wasn't no member say, probably would be two and a half from me, but uh, they push it up to a three, and uh, Harris is a crack up, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, so just the whole getting a tattoo really, really drunk, because uh, here in Australia, quite a few people, when the borders open, like to visit Bali and get cheap tattoos there, so I know there are good tattoo parlors in Bali, but I'm, um, which is Ireland in Indonesia, but I know there are some bad ones too, so uh, anyway, this is just what I've heard, because I don't have any tattoos myself, uh, but yeah, so decent episode, uh... We have a different grading system here, Stephen. So in Australia, you only get an F if you if you're below fifty. Um, well, actually, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. So F is by fifty. So this would be just a bare C. Uh, or in university, this would be a borderline between a pass and a credit. So, yep, I'm getting three tattoos and oh, out my butt! Ah! Yeah, I think uh, Annabelle, you kind of said it was a good idea with. It just didn't have great execution. And to me, execution will trump a story idea every time, just like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> he yeah. has good ideas. He just doesn't know how to execute them very well. Yeah. And if you have a crap idea and it's well executed, then that's going to win. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of like Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> That's it for today on the Meredith Children Podcast for the Agony and the Extra C. But be sure to tune in next week as uh, the Meredith Children Podcast is going on Spring Break with Stephen, Tyler, and Stefan for Spring Break Part 1. Uh, oh boy, I can't wait. Oh, have you got your sunscreen ready, uh, Stephen? Yes, I do. All ready to hit the beach in your bathers and whatnot? Yes. Don't get burnt now. I got sunburnt today, so it's not nice. Yeah, so be joined, she want to join the Meredith Children Podcast next week as Kelly and her friends seduce Bud and his friends out of airline tickets and hotel reservations to Fort Lauderdale while Al, Jefferson and Griff 
go to Fort Lauderdale to judge a bikini contest. So that should be a nice saucy episode, but uh, you have to come back for next week to the same buddy time, same buddy channel, and don't forget your sunscreen and sunglasses. Whoa, Bundy. <laughs>